So good morning, church. Is anybody here happy we got AC? Uh, amen. Um, I'm, I'm extremely thankful. But uh, if you will, turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 22. Uh, if you have any Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Um, we're gonna, that's where we're going to be resting at today. Um, and so while you're turning, I just want to give a, a quick uh, praise to God. Um, this past week, we thought that we may was going to have to cancel Vacation Bible School. Um, because uh, Tuesday afternoon, we only had 18 people signed up. And I was like, well, usually, you know, 18 people sign up, nine show up. You know what I mean? And so uh, we was like, man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Lindsay, Lindsay was uh, freaking out, and she was like, I prayed for 50 kids. And she was got heartbroken, I think, because of the council. And so I was like, just, just, just hold on. We'll, we'll go back Thursday and figure that out. Well, Thursday, Lindsay sends me a... A Stephen King novel of a text message, and uh, it was pretty much praising God. We had 40 kids signed up. Amen. Ain't that awesome? And so probably uh, by tomorrow, which Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow, uh, we'll probably have 50 or more signed up. And so that's that's awesome. Uh, but also we need some help. So if you feel compelled by the love of Jesus to help, then please come and help serve. Um, find Lindsay. Um, you can ask my wife. You can ask um, Sam. Uh, any of us where um, where you can get plugged in at, and I'm sure we'll help you. So uh, before we go any further, I want to pray once again. God's just laying some stuff in my heart, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into God's Word. Uh, Father, we thank you again for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you, Father, for your compassion. And Lord, I pray that our lives will be like the song we just sang, that we would tell people, come and see what God is doing. Not come and see at the church, but come and see my life. Come and see the power of your love in my life. Come see the power of your resurrection in my life. So Lord, I pray that every, over every person in this room right now, God, that your presence would pour on them, that you would rain down on them today, and that, God, each of us would leave here encouraged. We would leave here determined. We would leave here with grit and desire to praise you, to serve you, to proclaim your name to the world around us. So God, move today. God, move in this word. God, your word is, is alive and, and is living. And God, I thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your word that you've given us. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us today through this chapter in Luke. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you might, you're going to have to hang on a little bit because we're going to kind of bounce through. We're going to start in uh, verse 7 in Luke, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to bounce back and forth through it, but I have a, a rhythm to my madness that God's kind of just showing me how to do, do this, this today, matter of fact. Um, so anyway, um, I'm going to read 7 through 8, and then we'll go from there. So verse 7 says, Then came, then came the day of unliving bread of which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover meal. And so, this is, to give you the middle context of this, Jesus is he's headed into, he's in Jerusalem now. He's, he's on just a few more days until he's going to be, matter of fact, the next day, he's going to be um, turned over. And it wasn't going to be long, he was going to be crucified. So Jesus saw what was coming. He knew what was next, okay? He knew what was fixing to happen. So he desired 
to eat the Passover meal with his disciples. And he says, go prepare this for us. You know, and so I want you to understand about the Passover. The Passover was, was, was a celebration that, that Jewish people, um, they still to this day, they celebrate. And, and what it was is to symbolize when God rescued them from, from, from the Egyptians. And so in that moment, they were, they were bound by slavery. They were bound to slavery to the Egyptians. And so God said, I'm going I'm to save you from them. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and continued to harden his heart. And for God to get the attention of people, he said, here's what's going to happen. You must slaughter a lamb, the perfect lamb. You must bring, first, you must bring the lamb into your house. You must feed this lamb for three days. And in three days, you would slaughter this lamb at midnight. You would take the blood and you would put it over your doorpost. And when the death angel comes through Egypt, if, you've got, if your house is covered by the blood of this spotless lamb, I'll pass by your house. And the people of, those, of that day, the, the Israelites of that day, they experienced what the blood of, of the lamb did because they put it over their doorpost and it protected their children from being, the firstborn from being killed. And everyone that did not do that across the whole land had died. And so the, it was a powerful way for God to show his hand, but he saw that and they were celebrating that because they seen God do amazing things. They seen God do something unexplainable. They seen God do amazing stuff. But see, if we don't celebrate things, we have a great, 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 I guess, cycle that we have where we forget stuff. Y'all with me? If you don't celebrate it, if you don't keep talking about it, you're going to forget it. And see, and that's what happened to, to the Israelites. So many times they would forget what God had done. And so God said, we're going to make this Passover so that you, you, you will do this once a year to remember what I've done for you. And if you're not careful what happens is things that were meant to be holy and to remember, we turn into just ordinary things. You know? I imagine the first generation... Before they got into Canaan, when they celebrated Passover, they were like jacked up because they remember. They, they remember walking through the Dead Sea. They remember walking through where, where God had, had, had parted the waters. They remember walking through all that stuff that God had done. They remember that like it was yesterday. And so when they celebrated the Passover, they were excited. They were jacked up about it because they were remembering what God had done. When's the last time you just backed up and sat back and said, just made a list in your mind of what God has done for you? Tomorrow at work, when everything else seems like it's horrible, sit back and do that. You'll find joy in the middle of misery just remembering what God's done for you. Amen? You got to sit back and think. And so Passover was, was, was where, they just, where they were celebrating where the Jews were delivered from the Roman government. But from that moment on, they were constantly looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone to take over. They were constantly looking for a Savior, for a rescuer. See, many of us today are looking for the same thing. Many of us today, day in and day out, we're just like even the disciples. They had Jesus with them every single day. Every day. And I know because I've said it no much, a lot of you have thought it. Like, those boys must have been slow because they didn't get it. Jesus was right there with them. How did they not get it? But yet we don't get it every single day. 
It's easy to throw shade on somebody, but you need to put yourself in that situation. They, they had been in this system their whole entire life. The disciples had been in this religious system their whole entire life, and they, they were Jews. They, this is just what we did. This is just what we do. And so it's easy to get caught up in what you do and it not being who you are. Amen? And so Jesus was bringing them to this intimate setting where they were going to eat the Passover meal together. And Jesus knew this was his last meal with his disciples. The last meal with his disciples. And this is why it's so important, because it was, if it was the last thing that you're going to do with someone that you love, guess what? You're going to make sure that it's going to be something big, right? It's going to be something that, that's going to carry a lot of weight. Y'all with me? And so that's what he was doing. He was setting them up for that. You know, as I read this story, he's, we're going to read through some more, but as, as, you, as you go through this story, you, you I think we, we kind of look at the disciples and we wonder how they missed it, but we all miss it every single day. Majority of the church in America today misses it. We miss it. And, and I know a lot of preachers stand in the pulpit and they say, the church is missing it. But see, we got to get it for the church to get it. Amen? And if we won't, it's not just, it's not just the pastor, it's the people. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. So if we're missing it, how can we expect those that are just coming into the fold to get it? We've got to be intentional with walking it out. And Jesus knew that if we didn't remember the sacrifice that he made, we would always continue to miss it. Because I miss it when I don't remember Jesus. I don't remember what he's done. And so the Jews have been going through this system where they were remembering what it meant to have a Passover, what it meant to have a, a lamb. The sacrificial lamb, they were going through this process where they, where they did this over and over and over, and eventually it becomes mundane. And to the Jews, this has become something that we just did. It was just mundane. It was just, you know, I've got to go get this lamb. We've got to bring it in the house. Let me tell you the significance to that. You had to get a spotless lamb, right? Because in those days, in order to pay penalty for sin was shed blood, right? So you had to have a sacrifice. And so they said, he told me he wanted to bring this lamb out. I, I, love, I love this imagery that, that God puts in his word, how it foreshadows Jesus, because that's what the lamb in the Passover was. It was a foreshadowing of Christ. So he takes the lamb. He says, you must take the lamb and bring it, bring it out of the pasture and bring it into your house, okay? So for the lamb to mean something to you, for the sacrifice to mean something to you, it's got to be close, right? Y'all better come on. The Holy Spirit speaking to me. Y'all better come on. You got to bring it in the house. So, so they brought the, the, the lamb in the house. The lamb would eat with them. The lamb would sleep with them. The lamb was in their house. They didn't have a five-bedroom mansion. No, they had a one-room shack. You hear me? They were in proximity of the lamb. When they went to pay the bills, the lamb was there. When they went over here, the lamb was there. When they were fussing, the lamb was there. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you are like, you don't fuss as a married couple. Come on. When all these things are going on, the lamb was there because the lamb was in the house. The lamb was in there. It was so personal. It had become like a dog. It had become like a, a member of the family. The lamb was there. In three days. It's easy to get attached to something in three days. And so the lamb was right there in proximity. And now it's time to order, in order to keep my family, in order to, to protect my family, then I have to slaughter this lamb that didn't do anything wrong, that hasn't had any, any problem. But yet I've got to slaughter this lamb, this perfect lamb, to, for my family. 
we'll be saved. Three days. How long was it from when Jesus died and resurrected? The blood was put on the doorpost to save the family, to save the children, to save the firstborn in the family. See, you don't save your family unless you got the blood. Amen? You with me? And so it's a foreshadowing of Christ of how there, there's, no, there's no way that our families are going to be saved, no way that our lives are going to be saved unless we're covered by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus was trying to make them realize this is the last meal. This is Passover meal. We're fixing to eat Passover together. We remember where the, where the lamb was slayed, and he's finna tell them, I am the perfect lamb. I am the spotless lamb. He's been telling them for 20 chapters that he was the Messiah. He's been telling them that I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. He's been going to tell them I'm not going to always be here. But yet they missed it constantly and constantly and constantly because they were thinking that he was talking about an earthly kingdom, a, a temporary kingdom, something here that was going to satisfy them. How many of us get caught up in that? We think that following Jesus is going to make us comfortable right here. We think that, that, that when Jesus comes into our life, then our lives are going to be easy. When things get hard, then we fall away from God. Oh, he don't love me. Let me tell you something. From the moment Jesus was sacrificed, from the moment Jesus was killed, it, was a, it wasn't an easy road for the disciples. They had to choose who they were going to serve. They were going to choose if they were going to walk away or if they were going to follow Christ. And so you look at them, and, and, and you, you know the story of Peter when he turned, when he denied Christ. You hear all those stories, and it's like, how in the world did they miss it? It's because they continued to, to not remember what all he had done. They, they had been with all the, the, they had seen the miracles. They had seen the healings. They had seen, man, they had seen the resurrection of Lazarus. You know what I'm saying? They seen powerful things. But yet, in the middle of the ordinary, they left out the extraordinary. How many of us do that? In our ordinary life, we forget to plead the blood of Christ over ordinary situations, over ordinary things, over just simple everyday life. We think that our circumstances are more powerful than the blood of Christ. A lot of us wouldn't be as anxious and have as much as anxiety if we prayed over stuff more than we worried about stuff. I said us because I'm in the boat with you. He's right there, but they actually have to listen to him. And then verse 9, he says, they said, where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you to a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as he had told them. So they prepared the Passover. All right, so an another sign to the disciples that, that, that he was who he said he was. See, you got to realize men didn't go get no water back in those days. Okay, it was a woman's job to go get the water. Okay, so to go find a man carrying a water jug, he was going to stand out. 
Okay, so it shows you how dumb the disciples was. He's making sure they didn't miss it this time. All right? I'm going to make sure that they see all these women, and there's one man standing up in the middle. I don't know how many times I prayed, God, let this stand out like, like something red in the midst of something white. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, they just stand out so I don't know because I'm, I'm dumb. Lord, let me, let me see this. I, I miss it all the time. Some of y'all look at me like, you might be dumb, but I'm not. And I'm sorry, but if you're missing Jesus, I'm going to leave that there. But the thing is, is that he wanted them to see. You go and you look at him. It's like, there's the man. And he goes to the man, and he asks him, and the man says, hey, he follows him. They go up. Everything's set up just like Jesus said. And if I'm thinking this is fixed to be an earthly kingdom, I'm like, well, how in the world did he know that? One more sign that he was the Messiah. One more sign that, that he was the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end. One more sign to the disciples that were missing it all the way that he had more power in his little pinky than they had in their whole entire body. One more sign, but yet in the midst of things, they just left it all and forgot about it. Verse 21. We're going to skip down to 21. This is after the Passover meal. Verse 21. But the hand of him who was going to betray me is with mine on this table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them might be might be the one who's going to do this. In this verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which one would be considered the greatest. I mean, he just went through the Passover. He just went through explaining that he was going to die. He just went through the, the whole thing, and then all of a sudden he says, hey, somebody in here is going to betray me. How can you be in the inner circle? How can you be tw the 12? How can you be in that and miss it? The same way you can come to church 45 years and miss it. It's easy to miss if you're, if you're pursuing the thing instead of the Savior. See, often we're pursuing the things of God and not God. We're pursuing what God can give me instead of just loving Jesus. See, when we won't get what we want, then we get mad and we, we stop seeing him for who he is and we see him for who we want him to be. We see him as like Santa Claus. He's going to bring me presents and I'm going to be excited. But see, instead, we need to be pursuing God like he is the God of all creation. He's the God that created us and we should serve him and love him no matter what. Amen? And they missed the point. Judas had missed the point. Judas' mindset was on the easy way of life. It was on, it was on this easy way. How easy would it be? Because he's in with Jesus, right? He's going to have this earthly kingdom. Man, he's, 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 he's in with him. He's, he's in the inner circle. I'm, he thinks he's going to have power. He's going to have money. He's going to have possessions. He's going to have authority. He was thinking of well, all this stuff. He was banking on Jesus establishing this political kingdom here on earth. Being like a second David, he was thinking he was going to be like King David and, and, and establish a ruling reign here on earth right now. And he knew him. See, anybody know? It's good to know people, ain't it? Huh, anybody, somebody say, what you know is who you know. You know. It's good to know people. When you know people, you feel like, you know, sometimes you can get away with, with, with things. I, I know the sheriff, and I'm glad. Because some days, I, I don't drive 55. 
And so it's good to know people when you call and be like, hey, boss, can, can, you, can you help me? Can you help me? See, so many times we get called up on who we know and miss the one that we should know the most. See, they were worried about temporary things. They were worried about temporary things. Judas was worried about temporary things, money, power, influence. See, many of us are the same exact way. See, when life gives us lemons, we don't make lemonade. No, we dip out on God. We don't, we don't roll with it knowing that, that we serve an all-sufficient Savior that can turn our wrongs into rights, can turn, turn this bad stuff into good stuff. We don't, we don't stick around with those things. Well, when, things, when bad stuff happens, a lot of times if we're not rooted and we really love God, we don't really love Christ, what happens is, is when bad things happen, we leave God. Oh, this wasn't supposed to happen. We get bad, mad and bitter at God. Things that happen the way I wanted it to happen. Let me tell you, boss, you are not God. And if you would get that into your head and realize that, life would be a lot easier. See, when things didn't happen the way Judas wanted it to happen, he was ready to get rid of Jesus. He was ready to drop him like a bad habit. There's a many of people that come to church every Sunday, but yet, but yet they, when one thing bad happens, oh, there's nothing to do with this God stuff. You know why? Because you're serving God for what you can get out of God instead of serving him because you love him. He didn't come and die on the cross so that we would be a bunch of spoiled children. He came and died so we would be intimate followers of him that, that pursued him, that cared for him, that loved him so much. See, so many of us think that following Christ equals an easy life. And when it gets hard, we sell out on Christ. We sell out. We just, I'm done. And that's just what Judas did. He actually, he literally sold out. He betrayed him for money. How many of us betray God? We, we betray him. We don't, we, we. We don't physically denounce him. But we make our jobs more important than Jesus. We make, we, make, we make our budget more important than Jesus. Now I'm speaking from my heart here, guys. We put, we put too much emphasis on this world. We put too much emphasis on these things, and these things don't matter. When these things matter more than God, then what happens is that your life revolves around these things and have these things. And what happens is, is you're more focused on these things than you are about God. And it's easy not to spend time with God in the morning when these things matter more important than God. And these blessings that God intended to give us turned into idols in which we worship. And he didn't design those for that. So the very blessings that he gives us can turn into a curse if we're not pursuing God. And loving him. See, there's so many Judases that show up to church every single Sunday looking for something to get from Jesus, not a life with Jesus. Now, he didn't see that. There are so many people that show up looking for something they can get from him instead of a life with him. See, and then, then you had these other two disciples, right? They totally missed the point. Jesus just said, one of you are going to betray me, and then these cats over here complain, are talking about who's going to be the greatest. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if, if, if we hanging in, we, we, if we all tight and somebody says, some, one of y'all is fixing to betray me and, and, and lie on me and send me to prison, we're fitting to find out who that fool is. I might, I might just, that might just be me. I don't know, but we're going to find that out. It ain't going to be, no, I'm going to be the best. Uh-huh. Let's find out the rat first. You know what I'm saying? 
you, you see how selfish the disciples were because they were so worried about themselves, they didn't care about who was going to really betray Jesus. They were just worried about, oh, it ain't me. Oh, it ain't me. He ain't talking. How many of us come to church every Sunday talking about, well, he ain't talking to me? Huh? I am. Every one of you. Because if you want to admit it or not, you still have some Judas tendencies. The disciples, they were all arguing more about status. They were all arguing more about, you know, who was going to be, who was going to be important. One of the history's most important, the biggest thing ever happened in history was when Jesus was crucified, was about to happen, and they were arguing who was going to be the greatest. They could have just seen what was fixing to happen. And they could have just looked at the brokenness on Jesus' face. They would have realized that position and authority didn't matter. They were wrapped up in their own concerns and didn't understand what Jesus was trying to tell them. So I'll ask you a question. What are you more concerned about today than your relationship with God? What, what, what in, let me tell you, 10 years from now, the things that you're worried about right now is not going to matter. The things that you're wrapped up on right now is not going to matter. We elevate these things and we're holding these things up, but then we put Jesus down here because these things are greater than him. And reality is not. And we worry about stuff that doesn't matter. The problem is, is we got our eyes on us instead of our eyes on Jesus. That's why Paul says, I'm, Paul talks about running this race. He said, I have my eyes on the prize. He has his eyes on Christ. He has his eyes on the end. And if you're looking at Jesus, if you're looking at the end, if you're looking at eternity for everything that you do, let me tell you, your life has a different perspective. Amen. I'm finna turn the, I'm finna notch it up a little bit. Y'all act like y'all going to sleep on me. See, it all comes back to where our focus is. Let me ask you a question. If he comes back this week, if Jesus Christ comes back this week, is he gonna find you faithful or is he gonna find you distracted? Come on. You need to ask yourself that every morning when you get out of bed. If Jesus comes back at 9 o'clock, if Jesus comes back at 10 o'clock, is he going to find me faithful? Is he going to find me distracted? What is he going to find? See, he didn't give us those blessings to, to, to keep you from him. See, that, that, that parable of the, of, the, of the seeds and the ones that was the seed that was planted and the thorns of the world come up and it, and it stubbed it out and it was not able to be, it wasn't able to mature. Man, that's the church. That's most people. We allow the world, we allow the worries, we allow the riches, we allow the concerns of this life to, to really just stomp out the effectiveness of God's word in our life. And we live our life a hundred years on this earth. Maybe if you're, if you're happy, you live, you live your life that long on this earth with no purpose because it's only. Focused on yourself and you're dry, you're empty, and you will die and go to hell because you never truly love Jesus. All the way, going to church. A lot of people are going to ride a church seat straight on in to the gates of hell because they value church more than they value Jesus. And that's not what it's about. It's about loving Jesus Christ and following him. Those who were with Christ, missed it the most. Those that were in the proximity of Christ missed it the most. I'm telling you, that's the church today. Those of us in this room, a lot of times we miss the whole point. 
We turned it into me. It's all about me. It's all about how I feel instead of worrying about this is not about me. It's about glorifying God, glorifying with my life, glorifying with the way I talk, with the way I love my wife, with the way I leave my kids, with the way that I do everything, the way I handle myself at business, by the way I talk to the woman at the grocery store. Everything I do should glorify God because if I have the Holy Spirit in me, then the kingdom is here, right? We talked about it last week. So if I am walking in with Jesus, then I can't be the same that I once was. I have to be me made new. Matter of fact, I can't be the same me that I was last week. Y'all with me? Because I'm being made new. I'm being made new. But we miss the point. And we make it about here and now. See, they missed it. And he knew they were going to miss it. He knew they were going to miss it. And he knew that we would miss it too if we didn't have something to remember him by. Because he knew he was headed to the cross. Y'all with me? He's headed, he was headed to the cross. He knew, he knew the next couple days he was headed to the cross. This is where I see the compassion and love for Jesus like no other. The compassion that he gives his disciples, man, it just gets me. They're arguing about stuff, and here he is fixing to die, and he didn't. Man, I would have just roundhouse kicked somebody. Like, come on, wake up. I'm fixing to die for y'all fools. Y'all don't even like me right now. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm talking too real for y'all today, but I'm just, that's, just, that's just how I be. Thank God I ain't God. But anyhow, they, they were so ungrateful. But Jesus gives them compassion. He gives them grace. He gives them mercy. See, he was knew that he was headed to be crucified. And just so you, you know, being, the cruci being crucified, a crucifixion, it was the worst possible death ever. Worst death. Only the worst criminals were condemned to be crucified. And yet, it was even more dreadful that, for Jesus than anybody because he had done nothing wrong. He was unjustly put on there. Other criminals, they were condemned to death by crucifixion. But Jesus not only was crucified, but he was nailed to the cross. They, they, they upped the ante a little bit. They wanted, to, they wanted to inflict a little more pain upon him. I want you to understand the magnitude of what Jesus knew he was headed to go to see because this shows you how great his love for us is. He knew that they were going to start, they were going to nail nails that were six to eight inches in his, in his arms. And in his feet, he knew that's where he was headed. He knew that was going to happen. The nails were driven into his wrist, okay? Not into his hands like, like we see drawings of. It was drawn into his wrist. Okay, so when they, driv when they, when they drilled and, and hammered those nails into his wrist, in your wrist, there's the ligaments that hold your, your wrist together so you can bend them back and forth so that you can move them. Those nails were driven through there. It had torn those ligaments in his arms so he could not pull himself up by his wrist. He had to use his back muscles to pull himself up to get breath. See, when you were crucified, the way you died was by really you, you just couldn't breathe. So he had every breath. He had to get his back muscles and pull himself up every time. Because he couldn't pull himself up with his forearm because that ligament was cut. They took both of his feet and they put them on top of each other and they put a nail through them, through the arches of his feet. So not only did he have to use his back muscle, but he had to press on. Could you imagine how painful that was? Push up and pull up to get every single breath. This lasted for about three hours for Christ. 
him struggling for breath. That's what he knew he was headed to, right? He endured this. Could you just imagine the struggle? Just imagine the pain. Think about it. And all of this, he was thinking about us. Jesus endured it for three hours. Can you imagine suffering like this? I was thinking about when we were singing the song, every blood droplet that was falling off, every ounce was from me and you to cover our sins. Dripping, running down his side, running down the edge of his big toad, it was pointing down. And as it drips off and it hits the ground, that was for Sabrina, the next drop. That was for Sabrina, the next drop. That was for Nick, the next drop. That was for Shannon, the next drop. That was for Ben. The blood of Christ was to cover us so that we could be in the right communion with God. And he knew that his blood was going to have to be shed so we could be in the right relationship with God. He knew his blood was going to have to shed so we could be in, in fellowship with God. So he willingly allowed his blood to pour out to cover our sins. I want you to think about that for a minute. Think about the mercy that God gives us. Tell you that song, oh precious is the flood that makes me white as snow. And when we sing those lyrics, we don't think about what happened on that cross for me and you. And Jesus was looking to the cross the whole time. See, we often see all these images where the wounds are on his arms, but there were so many internal injuries in Jesus that he had to be in so much pain, he had to be in so much agony. The hammer, the force of the hammer just driving those nails, crushing bones and doing things. I mean, I couldn't imagine that happening. I've had plenty of bones broken in my life, but I couldn't imagine a nail being driven through my bones intentionally. He's on there, and, and the guards, if that ain't enough, they take the spear and they jug him to make sure he's dead, right? And when they jug him, what, 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 I, what I love about the text and love about God's word, when they, when they get him, when they stab him with it, it didn't say more blood come out. It was fluid. It was water. He had, blood, he had bled com almost completely out until there was nothing left but fluid in him. He bled, every drop was for us. Every drop was for me and you. Every drop was for those disciples that didn't love him like they said they did. Every single drop was for those who had missed it the entire time. Every single drop. His body was beaten. I mean, before even the spear on his side, I mean, he, Jesus was beaten with that cat and nine tails. He, he was beaten to where pieces of his beard and his facial hair was being plucked out of his face. He, he'd been, the, the crown of thorns was on his head, just gouging to his scalp. All those things. Most men wouldn't have survived. He had three nails hammered into him. A crown of thorns in his head. 
you know, and not to mention before he even got to the cross, how they made him carry the cross. How he walked through town. And the same people that were in town when he was coming in riding the donkey were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna on the highest. We're singing crucify him. We're spitting on him while he was going to the cross. We're throwing rocks at him. And I, I mean, Jesus is carrying the cross. And he's thinking, I mean, I know I'll be thinking about these ungrateful people. I'm fixing to shed my blood so they wouldn't even have an opportunity to accept me and follow me. But yet they're spitting on me and throwing rocks at me. I would have called down 10,000 angels and we would have wiped that place out. But that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's plan. Jesus had to endure this experience to open up the gates of heaven. He had to endure that so that you and I could have free access to God. He's given it to us free, but it wasn't cheap. Y'all with me? He paid the price for us and it's free if we love him and follow him and obey him. See, he did that. He gave us access to God so that, so that our sins, our sins will be washed away. The things that don't please God in our life, the things that we fall short of every day, that those sins will be covered by the blood of Christ. He did that for us. That's what the cross was all about. Don't ignore this situation. So many times we just bypass the cross. We wear a cross. It's on our car. But the meaning of the cross is so much more because it's how God chose to redeem us, how God chose to save us. And, and, and if we're not careful, if we miss the meaning of the cross, then following Christ is about what we can get instead of what he gave. And it's something that we all in this room have to fight against is trying to pursue God of what he can do for us instead of pursuing God because we love him. How many of our prayer lives start out with, oh, God, give me this? Somebody said, I heard a pastor say one time that it was, the little boy's prayer was, oh, God, this is Jimmy, give me. And that's how a lot of us are. We start out with what we want instead of just, God, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want another dollar hour raise. God, I don't want a mansion on the hill. God, I don't want this. I, I want you. How many of you just sat there and prayed for God's presence? You just wanted to sit with Jesus. You just want to be in the presence of God. See, that's what he's wanting. He wants his disciples. He wants those that love him to love him. Not for what you can get from him, but because you want Jesus and you appreciate the sacrifice that he's made and you love him because of the sacrifice and you're willing to say all this other stuff is junk. I can be in the middle of poverty and still have Jesus and be richer than any, any person on this planet. Y'all with me? And that's where he, that's, Jesus was headed to the cross. And yet he's at this table with his disciples that have missed it. Jesus died for those disciples. And Jesus died for you and Jesus died for me. I can't get over that he's at this last supper and he was headed to the cross and he knew it. He was at the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying. And he said, Lord, this cup can be removed from me. And he was in such knowing that the pain he was going to have to endure. The scripture says that he, blood came. He dropped from his head. Just, just praying intensely. But he knew that he had to endure the cross because of sin and for us. Man, that's heavy. I don't know about you guys, but that's heavy. That's so heavy. 
You can't just skate past the cross. You can't just, just say that ain't a big deal. It's a big deal because he did this for us. If it was no cross, there was no, there's no need for us to be here. If there was no cross, then we could have found out something better to do on Sunday. It was no cross. There's no purpose for life. See, this is life, church. Following Christ is life. When you give your life to Jesus, it's about Jesus. This is life. This is it. This is all there is to it. It's about Jesus and following him, doing his will, his way. That's what it's about. But we've turned it into this is about Jesus and me, and it's having his will my way. And if his will don't line up my way, then deuces, I'm out of him because this is about me. It's not about Christ. You don't love him for him. You love him for you. And that's why he gives us stuff like the Last Supper to remember him by. Because if you can remember him, then you will never, ever forget and stop loving him. Verse 14 says, When the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He was excited to be able to eat this last meal with his disciples. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After this, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he takes the bread and he physically breaks it. And he wants them to remember how willingly that he gave himself for them. How willingly that he gave himself up for them. Think about how willingly God gave himself up. Jesus gave himself up for us. Because he... See, nobody in your family might think you're something special, but Jesus does. Nobody, you might not have purpose nowhere else. You might have had a horrible childhood. You, you, might have, you might have had horrible relationships. You might have had people that have left you. You might have people that you don't think love you. But let me tell you, Jesus loved you enough that he died for you. Jesus loved you enough to, to send you. Man, he wrote the love letter to you in blood. Y'all think about that? That's what the cross was for. Then he says, the wine. Verse 20. He says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Which is poured out for you, he says. The new covenant is, is the old way to get to... To get the approval of God, you had to sacrifice animals and put it on an offering and sacrifice it to, to cover your sins. When Jesus died, his blood would cover our sins. So the new covenant was that when we follow Jesus, when we, follow, when we commit our lives to him, our sins are covered. Not that we acknowledge Christ, but when we're following Christ, okay? So if you're just a Sunday morning churchgoer and you don't love Jesus Christ, then your sins aren't covered. It's only to those people that are truly following Christ, that are truly surrendered to him, whose sins are covered. Some of you look at me like, I, 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 they didn't teach me that in Sunday school. No, because we weren't paying attention. We were like the disciples. We were only looking to get this little snack, and let's go play, and let's get out of here. 
The reality is he died for those who loved him. He died for those who would follow him. And he died for those who would pursue him. You know, and I got to thinking, Jesus was headed to the cross, but yet he took this, this meal. He took this thing and, and, and he spent, why was why it so important to remember him? And this week I'm riding down the road and I'm, I'm, I'm headed down the interstate and my granddaddy's been gone since September. And, and I don't know, I hadn't thought of nothing of much. I tell my wife, I don't know why, but all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, just memory started flooding through my mind. And I find myself crying for 40 miles down the interstate, just remembering my granddaddy. And the more I thought about my papa, the more I, I remember how much I love them. The more I think about my granddaddy, the more I, I miss him. The more I think about my granddaddy, the more I want to see him again. See, it's in remembering in which we realize the love we have for someone. And if we don't ever remember what Jesus has done, then we won't love him that much to where we want him again. We want to talk to him again. We want those. See, that's what the Passover is for. That's, that's what this Last Supper is for. That's what this is, communion is about. It's not about just taking this bread and taking this wine. It's remembering what Christ has done for us on the cross so that we could love him more so that we could anticipate his return more, so that we could desire him more. The more I think about my granddaddy, the more I love him because I, I go back and think about the things that I missed. I think about the times that he was teaching me something that I was mad, but yet now it was a life lesson. He was the wisest man I ever knew. When we remember, when we back up and we think, Our heart begins to just swell because we realize what Jesus has done. And as I begin to think about where I was as a sinner so far from God and how God gave me chance after chance after chance and then finally one day He woke me up and I'm so thankful that He gave me a second opportunity to come to know Him. and take communion in just a little bit but when I take communion I'm thanking him that he didn't leave me sitting on the pew at Elam Baptist Church and die and go to hell I'm thankful that he said I'm going to give you another opportunity Jeremy you're stubborn you see and you, you think that I'm blessing you you think that all this stuff is because of you and I'm going to show you this because of me and when he finally opened my eyes and I finally seen him for his glory and it was him that I should be loving man everything changed when I take communion, I think about that one. I think about the blood that he shed. Every drop that fell off of Jesus was to cover me. And there was one drop that was for Jeremy. One special little mist of blood was to cover me. Y'all think about that. it breaks my heart because we don't love Jesus like we say we do and it's not about all the stuff around us it's about him it's all about him it's about loving Jesus it's about pursuing the God that died for us it's about all it's about pursuing him and as we take this communion don't do this lightly he his body was broken for us 
He gave it willingly for me and you so that we could see him again in glory, so we could walk with him. I'm going to thank God for being the God that answered my small prayers. I'm going to thank God for delivering me and my wife from our marriage problems because it was only God that did those things. And when I don't remember him, I start thinking that, you know, that was just coincidence. But I realize when I go back to remembering the situation where I remember what he's done, then guess what? It brings me to a whole new level of thankfulness. It brings me to a whole new level of drive. I'm driven to love God because I'm reminded of what he's done for me. That's what communion's about. And life here on earth is not about me and you. It's about loving God and pursuing him, church. So when we remember the cross and what Jesus done for us, we won't be like Judas. We won't be pursuing the things of this life more than pursuing God. We won't be like the other disciples. We won't be looking for position. We won't be looking for authority. We're just looking to please God and be wherever he wants us to be. When we realize that his pain was worse, his denial was worse, then it makes our problems a little bit smaller. When we, not, when we remember the cross, we won't be distracted by this world around us, by this worldly thing. We'll be more committed. We'll be more sincere followers of Christ. So I want to ask you a question. As I've been up here ugly crying in front of y'all. What's gotten you so distracted? And it has kept you from knowing Jesus in the intimate way that he has designed for you to know him. What, is more, what are you more concerned about? And if right now I'm talking to you and there's some deadness in your heart, then you don't know Christ. Because to know what he's done and to think you've got it all figured out, you're fooling yourself. See, what are the thorns in your life right now that need to be plugged out? What are the worries of his life that need to be plucked out so you can pursue Christ wholeheartedly? That you can actually mature into the disciple that he's called you to be. I said it earlier. This is life. Following Christ is life. Pursuing Jesus is life. It's not, an act, it's not an accessory to my life. It is my life. It is what I do. It is who you are. When you truly love Jesus, when the cross had, the cross had the final word, church. The cross had the final word. At the foot of the cross, when Jesus bled his blood, it was either we're going to choose him or we're going to deny him. And those things are by the way we love him and pursue him. Not by our religious activities. So before we have communion, I want to offer an opportunity for those of you in this room. First and foremost, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you never truly pursued him, you might have been, you might have had a religious affiliation, you might have known about Christ, but you hadn't truly surrendered your life to Christ. That cross hasn't meant nothing to you. If you don't know Jesus for who he really is, you truly haven't surrendered your life to Christ where he is your life, I want to challenge you right now to surrender your life to him. Raise your hand. So we can pray with you and we can help you show you where your next step is. Anybody? Anybody? All right. So by not raising your hand and saying you're saved, I hope you ain't lying. But the next step is this. 
all of us in this room, Paul even says that we shouldn't take of communion lightly. Not living in habitual sin, living in a way that you know doesn't please God. Intentionally sinning against God. There's a sin in your life that, that you're walking in that you know you need to repent of. That's what this altar's for. And not only that, but if it's just, if God's just burdened your heart, y'all let's, let's get right before God before we take this communion. Y'all with me? Amen. All right, I'm gonna pray. Our worship team is gonna play a song and then we're gonna. I have a time for, for um, altar response for y'all to get your, your head around this and your heart right. And then we're going to take communion. But when we take communion, I want you to think about the nails. I want you to think about the blood. I want you to think about the sacrifice. And I want you to think about your commitment. Father God, we come to you right now. And God, I thank you for your cross. I thank you for your shed blood. I thank you, Lord, for how you say, take this in remembrance of me. Father God, I thank you for that. God, I just pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be religious people. God, we wouldn't be just caught up in this trap of society. But God, we would really truly love you, God. How you came down from heaven and you willingly gave your life. You willingly went through agony. You willingly went through all this stuff, God, to give us the opportunity to choose you so that we would love you, we would pursue you, God, we would care for you. God, let that soak in. And help us, Lord, all of us evaluate the commitment that we made. Have we kind of lessened our commitment? Have we kind of questioned our commitment? Have we kind of just backed off? We don't love you like we used to. We, we, we've kind of consumed. God, I pray that you would bring up things in our lives. Bring up the thorns. Bring up the, the concerns, God. Bring up the things that we're pursuing on this earth more than we're pursuing you, God. I pray that you would, God, move in us so that our jobs wouldn't be the most concerned. The money you give us wouldn't be the most concerned. The bills wouldn't be the biggest concern. But God, we would be more concerned with you and your presence than anything else. So God, I pray for your men and women in this room that have never experienced your presence. God, I pray that you would bless them with your presence, for them to feel you, Holy Spirit. God, move in us today. God, set us free from the things that hold us down. Set us free from the bondage of sin. God, set us free from our mindset of thinking that we know everything. God, change our minds. Renew our minds, God. Change us today, Jesus. Father, we ask you to set us free. Like you've already done on the cross. But so many times, God, you've unlocked the handcuffs, but we just won't take them off. So God, help us realize that we're free and help us walk in the freedom in which you've given us. So God, I pray that you would move in our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name.